0: My name's Tina Waldron, welcome to the podcast. Every week I look to interview someone that can help you share your faith naturally with the world around you. In 2023, I'm going to be interviewing people in Australia, also a few from overseas, and then there'll be a few weeks that I'll jump on myself and actually do a little bit of recording with some information that may help. If you're looking to do some coaching in evangelism or as a female in ministry or an online course this year in personal evangelism, please check out our website evangelisminaustralia.com. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm talking with Tim O'Neill, who is the Chair of Exponential Australia. And we have got an amazing topic today, igniting a culture of multiplication, transforming church structures for exponential growth. Welcome to you, Tim. Thanks, Tina. Thank you for having us. Fantastic to have you along. And, um, You have written a great article, really, that's about this, which uh, is now a guest blog post on our site, and I'll drop the link so that people can go and read that. But we're really talking about the fact that, Tim, churches are structured to deliver something other than multiplication. Wouldn't you agree with that?
1: I would totally, totally agree with that. In fact, the legendary management thinker, uh, Dr. W. Edward Deming, uh, talking about management in the corporate world, stated that every business system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. And so when we, we translate that to churches, we're in the same situation. Uh, what, what we're actually getting is what our churches are actually designed to produce. And that's not necessarily what our, our churches should be producing.
0: Yes, that's such a challenging thought, isn't it? I mean, for all of us, like, I can apply that to life. We have structures in our life, in our churches, that are perfectly designed to get the results that we're getting. So it's not an accident that churches get the results they're getting. Is that really the thought behind it?
1: Oh, it certainly is. Just for a moment, just imagine what would it would actually be like if our churches started making disciples, who would make disciples and carry the love of Jesus, just as Jesus commanded us to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and we would all say, that's our heart. That's what we want to do. But this conversation is very specific around, yeah, maybe are there structures or what structures do we need to produce a church? That is a producer. So let, let's talk about that. So, what's the ideal church from a church planning point of view? How would you even describe that?
1: Yeah, from a church planning point of view, um, I think if we go if we look biblically, we see the dominion mandate in Genesis chapter one and nine and eighteen, etc., where multiplication is a is a real part of it. But unfortunately, in Western cultures, that's that's very very rarely the case. However, when we looked at developing countries, we see many, many church planting movements take off where churches will plant churches that plant churches. And I think that's much closer to the the biblical narrative than what we're actually seeing in Australia. In Australia, I think the desire is often to plant a church which will grow big or a church that will survive. But I think that we've got to tweak the operating system of churches, if you like, so that we can see disciples who will make disciples, churches that will plant churches, and leaders that will raise leaders. And when we see that, we see a culture of multiplication starting to be ignited.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great point for me. We're not just talking about churches that plant churches, but we're talking about churches that plant churches that plant churches. So it's that, I guess, the organization that you're from, Exponential Australia, that's what you're about, exponential growth. Or when I think of churches that plant churches that plant churches, I just think exponential. Is that kind of the feel?
1: Very much so, Tina, very much so. If I might say, Australia desperately needs that. In the 20 years to 2011, the uh, National Christian Life Survey uh, found that the number of Protestant churches in Australia decreased by about 1,000 churches. That's about 10% of churches. In 2016, from the NCLS survey, they found that only 2% of churches in Australia, approximately, were planting a new church in any given year. And sadly, it looks like the latest survey, which has just recently been completed, will show that the rate of church planting or multiplication has been cut in half yet again. It's just not enough. We, We need more churches and we need to see a change happening where we see churches that plant churches that plant churches become the norm.
0: What a challenge for us all. Are you talking about the operating system? So you made that reference just before, um, that the church operating system or the operating system of a church needs to be re-looked at. In the guest blog article that you've written, you talk about five areas in that operating system. Now, we don't have time to talk about all five of them, Tim. Uh, People can go and read that. But let's talk about a couple of those. So, tweaking the church operating system so that it does become a church that plants churches, that plants churches. One of them was what you called audacious prayer. So, what does that even mean and how does that help a church become this type of a church?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Tina. I think... With prayer, we've got to realize that we need to pray for what we really want to happen. And when we start praying, we're actually inviting God to actually get into the picture. And if in our hearts we really want to see the church across our nation uh, expanded or even explode in a positive fashion, that is, that's something that we have to be praying for. A friend of mine, Oscar Mureyu, who who leads a church planting movement out of Nairobi, Kenya, and it's a worldwide church planting movement, he talks about the fact that we need to be praying prayers that make God sweat. And um, Oscar has an incredibly stirring message along these lines. But what he's really saying is that we should be praying prayers uh, that involve things that we can't do humanly, that are beyond our, our human capacity, and that need God's supernatural intervention to make it happen. Now, unfortunately, I think that the prayers that make God sweat are probably all too rare across our country and where churches will have prayer meetings, they'll often pray for many, many good things like uh, pastoral prayer or even financial needs or survivability. But Oscar here was talking about uh, prayers which take us into another realm where the things that are in our vision, the things that God has laid on our heart can one day become a reality. And that's a kind of audacious prayer I think that we need to see across this nation, where church after church, after church after church is coming together to pray, uh, pray for his kingdom to come, pray for the things that we, uh, we see through eyes of vision, but not eyes of reality as we look around ourselves and we invest in God, uh, that he can make these things happen.
0: Mm. Well, it kind of begs the question, do we even have a big enough vision, Tim? Because I'm thinking if if we do need to pray for those pastoral needs, but yeah, that is the question. Do we have a big enough vision? I mean, what do you hear out there? Are you hearing people with audacious vision even?
1: No, not really. Uh, I mean, some people definitely do. I'm I'm reminded of a friend of mine who 25 odd years ago uh, started a church planting movement in South Asia. And God gave him an audacious goal of seeing 100,000 churches planted, which is, it sounds ridiculous. But after 25 years, uh, that movement uh, is now up to 45,000 churches, uh, which is incredible. It's the hand of God where God gives people a vision and, and there is a connection through faith and uh, believing in the God who could do immeasurably more. Now of course, there are pockets around our country uh, where we do see incredible vision, but realistically i'd love to see congregations get involved in this kind of prayer not just the faithful prayers but the congregations and i'd love to see leaders uh, an increase of a number of leaders whose vision was led by faith rather than the facts the facts as to what their current church is the facts as to what's in the bank account the, the facts that that can so often take away faith we need we need to have faith fueled prayer
0: yeah It's a fine balance, isn't it? Because there is a reality out there, Tim, for our pastors right across the nation of where the church is at, where people are at, we're off the back of COVID, how difficult it's been. And then again, wanting to push out into this faith realm. What would you say to pastors that even people that are listening that are feeling a bit discouraged by that? How do you get back into that faith realm?
1: I, my, my heart really goes out to them, but I think one of the things that we have to do is to look for those people in our churches uh, that we can actually uh, potentially send out. I'm quite aware of quite a few churches where they had plans for church planting, but after COVID, the number of people in their churches has declined, uh, the amount of giving in their churches has declined, and they've put church planting on on the back shelf until they get back to status quo. I don't know if that's the right answer. I think that. Uh, we have to find the people where there's a call of God on their lives and the people who are prepared to be courageous and step out and find a way to make it happen. Uh, and one of the great things about Australia, there, there are quite a few ministries and organisations in Australia that will actually help this happen. So you don't have to do it by yourself. I think partnering is part of the key. It is very, very much part, uh, part of the key of actually finding partner organisations who can supply what you do not have.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and that's so encouraging because I know people like that as well, Tim. That were all gung ho and yep, and then COVID's hit, and now we're just we're just trying to get back. And I agree, is that the right mindset to do? So if that's you today, I hope that you can uh, just just link in, check out the show notes, link in with Tim and Exponential, and and find some encouragement, some people that you can walk with. So let's talk about intentional disciple-making. So we're talking about reconfiguring this operating system of the church so that it would be more geared towards a church that plants churches that plants churches. Yes. Let's talk about this, this intentional disciple-making in our operating system. I think part
1: of the issue here is that we actually need to change our, our goals, our, our focus for what's most important. We know that for most churches, the most important thing is who's here on a Sunday And as we look around and if we see empty seats all over the place, that can have a big emotional effect, not just on the pastor, but on on the rest of the people in the congregation. Perhaps we need to change our focus from uh, seating capacity to sending capacity, where we're actually looking at determining that the most important things uh, are something other than just who attends on a Sunday. I look at uh, scripture and see that there seem to be two doorways Uh, that that Jesus calls people through. If you're a seeker, it's a doorway that leads to faith. If you're a disciple, it's it's the doorway that leads to being a disciple who will follow the commands of Jesus. But it appears to me that most churches have a third doorway, which is simply attendance. And I think that's one of the things that we have to change. When I I look at scriptures, I see that Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. And I look around our country, I don't see a lot of people who are actually going fishing. There are a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus. But if we're truly uh, doing as he's commanded us to do, as, as he's taught us to do, we'll actually be involved in the harvest as well. And so there's a reconfiguring inside churches that needs to take place. I believe if we're to to start raising mature disciples and perhaps some churches, perhaps quite a few churches, really their focus is on attracting attenders rather than making disciples as Jesus has commanded us.
0: Mm, So challenging and challenging personally as well, isn't it, Tim, just to even have this conversation. I, I love that phrase about, um maybe we need to be focused on our sending capacity meaning we want to send our individual congregation members we want to work out what does that look like but also how does the church yes multiply how would you even measure that tim because you know i go to a local church and i know that well for the churches that i've been a part of in my life we like to measure things so we a church attendance is is really fabulous because it's easy to measure because you can actually count the people sitting on the seats, Tim. But let's talk about this sending capacity. Well, how do you even measure that if you're a church leader or church pastor? Well, should you measure it?
1: That's a great question, and I, I think we can actually start measuring things before even the sending capacity. Uh, when Rick Forp from the UK was uh, here a few months ago doing some workshops around Australia. He gave four keys uh, to multiplication, which I think are very worth thinking about. And I think we can develop systems to measure them. The first of those is that uh, if you're um, discipling someone, ask them who they are making a disciple of. And so we can actually start doing surveys to actually track that. Uh, we, we should be able to have reporting systems which don't need to be complex uh, where we're actually counting whether uh, we're discipling people who are actually discipling others. The second thing that he suggested is that we should have leaders who are actually apprenticing other leaders, who are raising up other leaders. And if that's the case, then that if one of those leaders moves on, there's already another leader who can take over that ministry, whether it be a small group or whether it be a worship ministry or whatever ministry. But also these people are being raised up so they can go out further. He also suggested that when we, we plant churches and train a church planter, we should train the entire team, not just a planter. And then he also suggested that when we, we plant a church, we should plant pregnant. So we're actually putting in place the systems where we're sending out the, the planter of the next church as well. So I think it's not just about the KPIs of sending, but it's, all, it's about the systems that actually lead up to that point. And then when we come to the point of sending, we can start counting the number of um, micro churches that are started, the number of missional communities, the number of churches that are actually planted, and keep track of those. And let them be on the score sheet. You see, the thing is that when we have a score sheet, we look at the areas where we need to pay attention to, I guess, and that will then help drive the systems as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I just love it. I love your thoughts and and comments and all of this. Now, can I just break in, Tim, and ask you, I noticed that Exponential Australia running a national conference in October. In Australia, is is this some of the things that you're going to be um talking about, or what's the flavour of that conference?
1: This conference is all is entirely going to be focused on igniting a culture of um, of multiplication, and we're going to be talking about the five key areas that you mentioned. In the article that I've written of audacious prayer, intentional disciple making, empowerment, empowering leadership, dynamic church planting, and rapid multiplication. The other five things that we're going to be covering. We've got a got a range of incredible speakers both from Australia and overseas. And we've got about 35 workshops that we're putting on as well. Uh, and those workshops will certainly be covering these streams as well.
0: I love that. I mean it just sounds like it's the conference to attend. Great that you're holding it on the Gold Coast, which is even better, I think, for Aussie leaders and pastors as well. Empowering leadership. Empowering leadership, Tim, is is an interesting one because I would say of 30-plus years of ministry that, oh, yeah, I'm all about empowering leadership. But what does it even mean? Is it just a a catchphrase or is it very specific when you talk about empowering leadership as in multiplication culture? What does it mean? Yeah,
1: that's, again, a great question, Tina. I'm reminded of a, a book that Dave Ferguson wrote, which is called Hero Maker. And just that little title in itself and captures. Uh, what it is to have empowering leadership. Empowering leadership is not about uh, me as the leader being uh, being in the spotlight, but it's about people like myself who are leaders of actually empowering other people and lifting them up. So we, we've got to be hero makers. We've got to be, um, I think, a, a true empowering leader Will will be prepared not to be in the spotlight, but continually thrust other people into the spotlight. I recall reading some time ago when Ralph Moore wrote about church planting and and developing a culture of multiplication. He wrote about the fact that at times we have to sacrifice excellence uh, for empowerment. What I mean by that as an example is that instead of having your best preacher on the platform every Sunday, Perhaps you need to take a bit of a risk and, sure, prepare the people, but have the up-and-coming speakers on the platform. That's an example of of empowering leadership. Uh, They they mightn't be as as good a preacher as a senior pastor or the best preacher in the the church, but you'll never raise other preachers or other leaders unless you actually uh, put them into positions of responsibility where they can have a go.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And are we looking to empower other people in our churches in the role to lead or to plant the next church
1: put it this way if we have a leadership pipeline in place that will help our existing church as well as the new churches we'll be raising up men and women who can lead in our current ministries uh, lead in new ministries of a church and lead in ministries outside of a church such as church planting and so the approach that I've always taken is that as I'm talking to a young leader or an emerging leader, I'm trying to find out where God actually wants them to be. Uh, not just to, to go and thrust them into an area where it's it's my need, but actually finding out what the call of God on their life is. But I think part of the problem is that often we don't have in place processes like leadership development pipelines, which will raise up these men and women in the first place. Some of them will be going out to plant new churches, uh, others will be staying in the church.
0: Yeah. Well, that's hard. So most churches, Tim, in Australia aren't mega churches. So putting in a leadership pipeline can be a bit of a challenge because there's resource behind that. How does a pastor even do that? I mean, think of your average Aussie pastor. How do you even switch your mind into, oh, how do we actually even have a leadership pathway in our church?
1: Yeah, that, that's, again, a great question. I think when we look at Ephesians four, eleven, and 12 and we see, Uh, the different styles of leadership that Jesus has appointed in the church, the fivefold ministry, or as Alan Hirsch would call it, apest. We see in verse 12, we see that uh, a role of the leaders is to equip others for the work of the ministry. We have to have that mindset where the the leaders in the church are conscious about equipping others for the work of the ministry, not just doing it all themselves. And I think uh, where we're just doing it all ourselves, we just wear ourselves out and there'll be no chance of multiplication. So I think we have to have intentionality as a first example. You know, I'm just thinking of uh, my own church situation where over the years we used to run a fortnight Leo breakfast where we just teach leadership principles. And a lot of the, the key leaders in my church today were teenagers back then who had come along to those leadership breakfasts and they'd learn the leadership Principle, So it doesn't need to be rocket science. But then also, there are programs outside of the church, and uh, in the church that I'm involved in leading still, we use a program called eLive, the Emerging Leaders Initiative, which is a two-year national coaching program Uh, that we don't run, but we send people to, and it's been brilliant in terms of raising leaders for ourselves as well. So there are some things that we can do inside the church. There are some resources outside of the church that we can grab hold of, but it all starts with intentionality.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that's great. I'm sure some people will check out Eli, actually, and how they could even use that as a resource. Let me just ask you a big question, though. There are churches that develop leaders and have leadership pipelines, but you are talking about that in the context of having a culture that is really outward, that actually what we're trying to do is, bottom line is we want to plant churches that plant churches. So it's not just leadership for the sake of leadership, you're talking about leadership that has a focus on church planting, and planting churches that plant churches. So what's the different factor in that mix when you're training leaders? What's in there that's going to ultimately give them that thought process or that DNA?
1: Yeah, I I think there are a couple of issues. One is the fact that we actually need to put it on the agenda as a possibility so that people understand that uh, going out into the harvest as Jesus commands us in Luke 10 is is actually something that, that may be on their radar screen. And one of the things also that for many years has, has driven a lot of my thinking with church planting, in Genesis 2, we see that the statement that a man shall leave his mother and his father and be united with his wife and the two shall become one. And I believe in that passage, we see the, uh, the biblical pattern for the propagation of community. Now, if we look at uh, what a healthy family does, for example, like with my children, I raised my children so that they could actually go and make decisions themselves and be healthy as they actually would go out from uh, the family of origin and that they, they would then go and start a new family. Then if we, ch- if we apply this, this same scripture to the church world, that's what we should be doing. If if in my family I wanted my children to stay home uh, until the day they died, I'd be controlling and it'd be a dysfunctional family. And I think as churches we've got to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap where we're raising our spiritual children with being sent out, being on the agenda so they can actually go and form a new community with a new DNA, taken from my DNA, uh, but a a new DNA and a fresh DNA which is going to be relevant to meet the people of today.
0: Mm, Gosh, Tim, that is so challenging. That is so challenging and using that analogy is absolutely brilliant because I have kids as well. And, yes, when they go out and they start their own families, I can see already, mine are a little younger than yours, but I can see that it ain't going to look much like what I'm <laughs> doing in the family, you know. They've got their own their own call and their own way that they will express yeah. the kingdom of God, which we've got to make room for.
1: Yeah, just taking that analogy a little bit further, when my oldest son, who's now an adult, that um, he would uh, often have his friends around for a kick of football or cricket, and I'd often go and have a kick or a play with him, um, cricket, whatever the case might be, and we'd all have, we'd get on well, but. I'm under no illusion. They didn't come around to our place to play because of me. Uh, they came around because of my son. He was one of them. I wasn't one of them. He could relate to them in a way which was, uh, in a way where I couldn't because I was just in a totally different age group. And I think that if we're to reach people today, we have to have churches that uh, are filled with people of the demographic and the age group of those that we actually want to reach. And I think that's a real challenge because my wife and I planted a church nearly 20 years ago, and and I love this church, um, but it's getting older every year. Uh, Next year, we'll be 31 years old. The year after, 32 years old. And some of us are getting older and more gray hair as, as years go by. Life has got to be in the new that we start. We can try and keep renewing what's already there, which we're obviously trying to do. But life has got to be in the new that we actually start.
0: Mm, Oh gosh, this is a fantastic conversation. I could chat for weeks on this actually, Tim, but we don't have time. But I want to encourage you today as a listener to check out the show notes and go and read the um, guest article, the blog that Tim's written uh, for us. And also to think about this, the transforming church structures that may be necessary in the church that you lead or the church that you're a part of, um, and to start thinking about that, you know, as Tim was saying at the beginning, you get what you set up to do, whatever the operating systems things you have in place that's what you produce so maybe it is a time for all of us to have a think about that what needs to change and so that we can actually produce churches that can plant churches that plant churches and we can reach our nation for jesus so exponential.org.au in australia tim thank you so much for your time today it's always a pleasure
1: thank you tina
0: thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out on missionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time.